Good evening, everybody. Um, welcome to Current Status. I'm Fumla Schmidt. You can find me on, uh, on Twitter as Exchange Goddess. And I'm joined by my co-host and a very special guest today. First, introduce you to my co-host, Teresa. Hi. Yeah, well, um, welcome, everybody, uh, to this uh, episode of Current Status. My name is Teresa Miller, and you can find me on Twitter at 24by7ITConnect. And we have a special guest uh, for a, actually a really special episode today, and his name is Jay. Jay, you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks, Pete. I'm Jay Gagne. I'm uh, the CTO at Razor Technology. Uh, I've been doing IT longer than I'd like to admit, which has included uh, owning and operating a dial-up internet business in the 90s, working for the Hartford Insurance for longer than I care to explain, uh, working for a startup, and now working for an IT uh, solution integrator. Today, we're going to talk about Popopolis, Popageddon, um, and what do you do when events like this happen? Uh, you know, if a storm happens or if the Pope happens to uh, show up in your hometown, what do businesses do, how they continue to function when all the roads are closed into your building? And Jay, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with uh, business continuancy and how businesses develop those plans to continue operating. And this is a perfect week to discuss that because the Pope is visiting Philadelphia on Saturday. And I just happen to work in Philadelphia and so does Jay. And there, there's been some chaos. We've, we've been in planning for, I'd say, over a year now, Jay? Uh, at, at, yeah, close to, if not over. Yeah, um, there, you know, I had a conversation with someone um, earlier in the week about the Pope's coming, it's causing a lot of, you know, disruption, and, and they're actually sort of surprised how it was impacting IT. And I said, well, yeah, because roads are closed, all the bridges into the city are closed Friday and Saturday, so that's two business days that, um, you know, thousands of workers can't get to the office. Um, and, and, you know, as an IT department, how do you plan for that? You know, you have potentially thousands of remote users for instance, you know, the company I work for, we've got, you know, 7,000 employees. So potentially 7,000 remote users Friday and Saturday. And that's just one company out of, you know, hundreds in the city of Philadelphia and, and New York and Washington, D.C. So it was perfect to, to have this topic this week and to have Jay on board to talk about that. What are, you, what are your thoughts with this whole Hope Again? Yes, <laughs> I love Hope Again, by the way. <laughs> Um, so, I, I, you know, this is, this is Hope Again right here. Can you see the label on that? Keep okay. calm and drink wine. wine. That's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have um, one of those too. <laughs> so I, I, I think in any conversation you have about business continuity or disaster recovery or high availability, you kind of have to start with the, the definition of each because depending on who it is, they tend to get blended into one big, long, you know, acronym that is H-A-D-R-B-C as if it were all one thing when they're really three very different things. And for IT folks, I think when you talk about high availability, it's really about being able to handle component failure, whether that's inside one box or it takes multiple boxes to do and whether they're in the same data center or not, it does have impact on the continuance of business, but it's more about infrastructure. And that's for most IT people, that's where we tend to care more. And then when you broaden the conversation into disaster recovery, that's more of the, you know, can we survive some kind of major incident, whether it be 
you know, a power outage or, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the smoking hole scenario. But when you broaden it into business continuance, that's where something like the Pope's visit actually starts to matter. Because now you're not talking about, are my systems going to be running? Do I have enough power supplies and disk drives? And do I have an alternate data center? You're just talking about, can I, can my business survive if people can't get to work? And that's, a very different scenario than most people in IT. We spend most of our time, you know, building systems and building redundancy and fault tolerance and failure domains and all these kinds of things. But it doesn't have a lot to do with, you know, can I actually arrive at the office? And, and you know, I equate the Pope's visit to like a major nor'easter where Correct. you know we get dumped on tons of snow out of the now the good news with the pope is that we actually have had time to plan this so i hope the outcome is better um because when it comes to a snow tor- a snowstorm we test this all the time where we have no warning and here comes two feet of snow and you know a tenth of or a quarter of the people that normally can get to uh you know uh, the facility get there and you know, 10 times as many are actually using remote facilities to do their job. So, you know, I think the first question when it comes to business continuity that folks have to ask themselves are, can your business operate if no one can get to work? If all systems are online, but no one can get there, are you prepared to handle that? And And I'm not sure. What What do you got to say? Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, I think it's really interesting, too, because you've really described multiple scenarios. Like when I think about the Pope coming to town and not being able to get to the office, that is almost equivalent to a snowstorm, but people still make their way into the office for a storm. So what you're ramping up for is probably nobody coming into the office and not failing over to a DR site to accommodate that. And then there's the whole conversation of business continuity failing over to a DR site um, because your site um, exists. You would, you know, in this case, you wouldn't fail over, but there could be the situation where your your main site doesn't exist. So it means so many different things for so many different companies, and it's a huge conversation. Okay. Um, sorry, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say it, it, it's huge because with the Pope, you can't come into work. Yeah, well, already right. helicopters flying around okay. telling you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in Philadelphia anywhere in Market Street between you know twenty fifth and tenth, you're you're not allowed to go to work. Yeah, exactly. I've worked at many places that often talked about business continuity, and it was more of a pipe dream than an actual reality as well, where they would just function on high availability as their backup plan and probably ramp up that production site. But I just feel like business continuity is so much more. It's having that DR site as well. Um, Jay, what do you, you know, typically see with your, yeah, with your customers? What, where, where do they draw that line? How do they decide what they really need? Because it's expensive. Uh, you know, it is. Because if you, uh, from, from our standpoint, we typically don't have 7,000 you know, Citrix users or VPN users. And for these two days, we got to make sure that everybody can work. So do you buy 7,000 licenses just, to, you know, in case the Pope comes again or you have a Nor'easter where no one can get to work? 
um, there's there's an expense to that. So I completely agree with that. And I think the reality at the end of the day is when it comes to, you know, planning, if we if we do the big umbrella, so there, in my mind, there's business continuance, which is the big umbrella. There's underneath that, there's disaster recovery, which is the, oh my gosh, what happens if something bad happens here, but I'm okay over here. And then there's high availability, which just says, hey, no matter what, something if something breaks, I should be able to continue to function. And I would say the average customer that we deal with gets the distinction of those three things, understands that, you know, there's resuming business, which includes when you, when you just think about it, it's keeping business running is more than just it. It's about getting to a, a facility or not keeping the, the employees safe, uh, you know, providing, you know, the necessary security, et cetera, um, you know, for the company as well as the individual. When you get to an IT perspective, it actually, business continuity gets easier for IT people because as long as the organization is funding IT properly, then the systems should be I know. I heard a snicker there. As long as the IT organization is funding, uh, you know, or the business is funding IT properly, but as long as that's happening, you know, business continuity for IT is actually not as hard, at least in my opinion, as business continuity for the business. Thinking about, what would you say should be a standard practice then? You should plan for this. Yeah, I think if if everybody's considering. You know, what does it take to keep the business running? You know, as we've, you know, so you guys are, are, are from, you know, PA. I live in Connecticut, but I travel back and forth. I'm home. I got home on Wednesday because when I started looking at the impact of the in Philly, right where I have to travel to get back to Connecticut, I said, I'm out of, I'm out of there on Wednesday because for me, personal BCDR, I would have gotten stranded in Philly if I waited any longer than Wednesday because everything started to get congested. If you, if you plan, it it, exactly. If you plan ahead, it, it really doesn't matter. So yes, it becomes a, a cost factor and companies have to invest in, uh, you know, properly funding it to be resumptive and redundant and, uh, you know, available. But at the same time, you have to take into account, all of the other aspects of the business that you know are needed to maintain functionality, like access. You know, if if you just brought up uh, P, the fact that if we normally have you know where you work, maybe a thousand, two thousand active VPN and Citrix users, and all of a sudden tomorrow we have to support seven thousand active VPN. Uh, and, and Citrix users, we might not be able to handle that. And there either has to be a conscious decision that says we're not going to support that, we're not going to invest in that, and our maximum is you know, 2,000, 3,000, whatever the case is, or there has to be an, a, a conscious decision to say, listen, if we're going to take, if our BCDR plan says we're going to account for the ability for those events like Pope visits, snowstorms, you know, smoking hole data centers, 
uh, earthquakes, whatever, you know, depending on, on the company. Of course, we're northeast, so we don't have to deal with as many hurricanes and earthquakes, but a lot of other organizations around the, the country have that as top of mind where we don't. Then if you're not, you either have to make the conscious decision to do it, plan for it, build it into the plan and execute on it, or say, nope, we're not going to. In this case, the pub's coming to town, half of the company is gonna be you know, unable to perform their job and be okay with it for the day or two that those kind of events happen. Well, see, and I would think too, in that case, you would potentially intentionally have people in town potentially uprooting their lives, staying at hotels to be able to support the business should there be an actual problem on site. So let's say you plan for 7,000 Citrix users. Were you able to test it? Were you able to do load testing? So maybe you would keep people on site to support whatever comes up. Absolutely. I think that's, I think one, there's two, two things I've seen with a lot of different companies and personally experienced when it comes to disaster recovery and business continuity. One is, no one actually knows how far they can fully support. So to your point, you know, we know we normally support a couple thousand. Can we support seven or is the tipping point five or is it six? No one really knows. The other big mistake that I see happening a lot is everybody's so concerned when it comes to a, a disaster type event of failing over and no one's a thought of what does it take to actually fail back. Uh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I've been, in, I've been in a couple of war rooms myself where the decision to up. fail over, the decision to fail over was denied because no one knew how to fail back. So the, the disaster or the event was more impactful than it probably should have been. We spent all this money on all this stuff in a different data center, yet we didn't even use it when we had our disaster because we were so concerned about getting back from the disaster that we just made the disaster wait last longer until we could get the primary site back up. Well, it's like, doing back- all it's, the like time. Backups. it's like doing backups, but not being able to restore from your backups. What's the point of doing backups then? If you're not, if you're not able to restore. Yeah. Absolutely. How many times have people done a backup and it goes off to whatever, whether it's disc or tape and it comes time to do the restore. And they start the restore and they go, yep, it's estimated at 27 hours. And then the application team comes along and goes, well, wait a minute, we did a database dump, blah, blah, blah. We can roll the logs forward, pull this back, and we think we can get it back in nine hours. And they use a mechanism that was never designed for backup to get an application running faster than the backup infrastructure that the company paid for can do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, testing is, is such a big piece to that. There has to be, you know, like like Pumalo was saying about money. I mean, I think that's why, you know, I've worked at companies where it's been more of a pipe dream because it always came down to not having the the funding or not becoming a budget priority. Uh, maybe the money was there, but then priority wasn't, so the money went towards something else. And so it's always interesting to see how that plays out. Now, if you if you work for a company where it's important, then you still have a lot of commitment. Um, to testing. You definitely can't, um, you know, one one test a year isn't enough. You have to have little tests to get you to that big one. To your point, Teresa, um, 
this week, this weekend, the AWS had their little cloud blip, I call it a blip, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, lots of services were impacted, including Netflix. Now, Netflix um, did, wasn't impacted as much as everybody else because they, they practice, um, what was it, this chaos monkey, or they, they, they practice um, this resiliency where it doesn't matter what happens, you know, we, we're, we're always going to run. Um, so the AWS data center in Virginia, something happened to it, it went down or there's there's issues. They were able to bounce back pretty quickly because they, they planned for it. They've got other um, servers in other regions, um, other geographical regions within the AWS cloud. Uh, in that sense, that was business continuity. They they planned for that. That was built into their system, and, and apparently they test this frequently. So uh, you know, to me, it's like this should be part of what you do every day, and that funding should be built into your project. I mean, if you're going to roll out an application, you, you should have some padding in there to you know a buffer for for those you know what ifs. As a, as a generic question, what do you guys think about should a company developing, a, I'll say, Greenfield application today, make sure that that application is developed in an active-active or even in now a, a lot of the customers I deal with, it's not even active-active. It's active-active-active. We're talking about not two data centers. We're talking about three data centers. What do you guys think? Is that is that the Does that help the scenario if you from day one, build an application that really doesn't care where it runs and it can run anywhere and it can be mobile and move from one data center to another. Look at at Exchange. Mm -hmm. Look at the DAG. Doesn't matter where you are. As long as you're, you know, you've got multiple copies, you can have your multiple copies spread across multiple data centers. Exchange is still running. So so I'll, I'll, I'll tag on to that. And I think part of the challenge with a lot of organizations is, so Pumala, I know you've dealt with Exchange for longer than you'll admit to any of us. <laughs> How long did it take Exchange to get to where they are with 2014, where they actually have that ability to be completely location transparent? Quite a few years. I mean, it's it, a long time. Yeah, and it, long absolutely. Time. And, and Microsoft is an enormous company with enormous resources. So the challenge that the average company has to take their legacy applications and make them more available and more transparent to outages and locations, et cetera, becomes a huge challenge, which is you know, a, a huge portion of why a lot of people, when we started this conversation, they said you have to separate HA from DR from DC. Hard time doing that. I think the practices. That I think part of the challenge is, like we were saying around Microsoft size and scale, the average company has such a hard time taking legacy applications, making them current, and making them less susceptible to events, making them transparent to location, making them active-active or active-active-active. They just don't have the resources, time, energy. I think the first step is every application you build from today going forward should be built on a platform. And it doesn't matter to me, I'm not an application person, what platform you build it on, but that platform should not care about what He just solved world hunger again. He did, he did again. <laughs> but like, like you were getting right to the meat of it. I know. And then he cut out again. 
There, there is one thing I guess I, I'd like to add while we're waiting to see if his audio will come back. So when he was talking about, you know, building, um, you know, from day one, trying to build that that DR, that redundancy into an application um, in the healthcare industry, um, I kind of watched, you know, a, and actually it doesn't, I didn't just watch, I was very much a part of this project. Um, where an electronic health record implementation was was done, and and right from the beginning there were conversations of you know offsite like DR, and even even in that case because of the cost being so high for the project in itself, the DR site lost its ground again as part of that project, but there was HA in the application, so if uh, the system lost power. You had these units that you could bring online. They were on emergency power, and people could still get their care. There was still never that DR. So I think when you start fresh, there's always that opportunity, but it's that, that budgeting and priority that can still get in the way of making sure it happens. I also think, you know, using technology that we have available now, like virtualization, um, you know, all those replication tools that, that are out there. I think using a combination of that could probably help fill the gap for applications that don't have built-in high availability. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to name any vendors out there, but th- there's a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, it, it just comes down to planning. And it's also beyond IT as well. You've got to talk to, you know, the business and find out, uh, you know, what do we want to continue to operate in the event the Pope comes again or we have a huge snowstorm? What can we sustain down? Um, maybe there are applications that, you know, um, don't need to be up and running. Maybe it's just the core systems or, you know, our call center needs to stay up and, you know, obviously email um, and collaboration tools <coughs> such like Skype. Uh, especially if users aren't going to be uh, in the office, you want to still maintain some type of um, communication. So you want to have those tools available up and running. But maybe yeah, some think, other systems oh, are down. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I bet I bet your company um, planning for the Pope arrival uh, went through a lot of that. Because I'm sure in the beginning, everybody wanted everything up and everyone was going to be able to get into everything. And, and then I think you start, you know, planning that. And it's probably not realistic i mean well you know he he's here he'll be here in philadelphia on saturday and we're coming up right in the open enrollment you know in the industry that we're in um october november it's a pretty busy season and um you know when when there's a delay that 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 counts to dollars lost so you want everything up um so we you know we do the best we can to make sure operate, uh, you know, that we're operating as normal, business as normal. Uh, yeah, and we've we've had to make accommodations. I bet. And how how many times can you say that you know you can't go to work because of God, because <laughs> the Pope, you know, just <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to work from home. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Yeah. That, that teaches us something, you know, we use a free tool. Um, it, what's, what's our BCR? <laughs> hey, I think, I, I think I'm back live. We got you. You got me. 
Did you did you save all the issues in the Middle East? Plus, you know, all the starving okay, children. You guys missed it all. I I'm pretty sure I solved everything, and I'm, nobody heard it. I bet you did. Totally. I, I've got a, I got a, I've got a simple question because I was going to say it earlier, and I think I, you guys couldn't hear me. Which is, what about the kind of the age old? Uh, I don't know if it's a belief or a fear or a doubt. Are people as effective working from home as they are, or remotely? I'll say as they are working in the office. I'm gonna say I'm probably more productive um, when I work from home because I'm not interrupted with people coming to my desk. Um, I get tunnel vision, and it's probably I actually go into the office so I can get a break. I mean, my husband will you know attest that there are days I don't get a shower till seven o'clock at night, still in my pajamas, and I'm still in the same position that he left me at in the morning, sitting there on the computer just working away. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree for me, too. I'm way more productive. But I, I think that there are people that are not. Yeah, and I, and I, I was just going to say that, that there's some people that are not productive. So it really depends on the person. And I, I do think that it's great when you have people that recognize, you know, where they function best. So it's an it's an individual. It's, it's an individual choice. And, you know, some jobs you can't work from home. It's very it's very hard to be remote with some positions. Um, you know, some positions required to be in the office, um, especially if you're like a, a level one tech, um, someone that needs to go out and you know touch a, a system. You know, um, let's say a, an AV engineer that, that's working um, with video production. Some of it you can do remotely, but if the camera is broken or you need to adjust the camera, somebody needs to be there physically. So jobs like that, I think working remotely, it's tough. Oh, and Just Jay, uh, we, ha we have a viewer here that says you need to get the Fios so you can stream flawlessly. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if we lost him again. My, my internet connection is provided by a company from Philadelphia. Oh, gosh, it's, it's the same one uh -oh. as mine. <laughs> and they're a block away from my building, too. <laughs> You don't, I, I don't have Fios available, so. I, I, my, I don't, but my neighbors, two doors down, have Fios. What's up with that? Two oh, doors? so you don't, even, you don't even have it as an option? No, they are two, um, yeah, two doors down, the street down, has Fios available. But uh, oh we don't have the option. Yeah, it's, it's really devastating. Because uh, JJ and I have the same carrier. And, yes, we do. And they shall days, remain nameless. Yeah, and some days we cry. <laughs> I don't know. Mine can be pretty. Well, you're in Wisconsin. Horrible. So. <laughs> okay, we'll just blame it on the state. I think we're getting close to wrap it up here, but I had a couple of other thoughts because we, we started this whole thing talking about the Pope. And a couple of things I read, uh, specific to Philadelphia, they had expected by today to have towed somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 cars. And they've only towed between 200 and 300 cars. Mm. And that, that, that makes me wonder, you know, do people actually, when it comes to DR and BC, over-prepare? Do you, if we, took it, if we take it to the IT conversation, do you spend too much money? Mm. Um, it's like life insurance. 
or health insurance? Are you willing? Which to- most would tell you, you would never, you can never be overprotected. I, when I look at um, even like support contracts, I mean, it's the same thing. That's all it is. It's like your insurance policy, regardless of the cost. So I, I completely agree there. Well, think of yes, the, do you need formal response? Probably not all the time, but maybe there is that time where the four hours actually paid off because if it had been the next day you could have suffered a, a worse problem well um look back look at look at um software assurance on microsoft products mm-hmm. remember between what 2003 and 2005 six everybody was jumping out of um software assurance because hey microsoft hadn't released anything so a lot of major organizations thought i, I don't need to buy software assurance let's let's drop out of our ea agreement we'll buy it you know piecemeal or or get back in later mm-hmm. And then, you know, 2008, 2009 comes around. Oh, shit. <laughs> we need to upgrade. <laughs> and they want to get back in the, to the EA agreement, and it's going to cost them double. Yeah. If yeah. they would have stuck with it, it wouldn't have cost them that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Although they, I find that whole conversation that. interesting, too. I, I'm going to dive a little deeper with, like, the Premier support. Like, like when you're talking about true SA support with Microsoft, you can't, you know, getting somebody off hours is like near impossible. Like you can't even do a critical situation call with the, their base support. You have to, you have to pay for that insurance policy to get anywhere. And then it's not four hour, it's one hour or less. So, and there are times when you need that. What's well, buying insurance? So. Mm-hmm. It- your your business continuing is that you just buy it's just an insurance policy mm-hmm. and how much are you willing to pay for it? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you, you say, Jay? It's health insurance for your business. No, I didn't say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't. I was shaking my head. I, my mouth opened. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was. I was probably thinking. I was probably thinking I needed more wine. <laughs> there you go. So, um, on other news, uh, other than AWS going down this past weekend, um, iPhone deliveries. Because I, the iPhone uh, 6S is out. And um, if you're in Philadelphia, New York, or Washington, D.C., those may be delayed. <laughs> Everybody else, enjoy your iPhones. It's <laughs> awesome. No business continuity can save that. No, no. The, the Pope, uh, you know, he rules there. And yeah. oh, fun Pope fact. Um, do you know Pope Francis does not wear red shoes? Did you know that? Okay. Uh, no. I, did, I only knew that because of today I watched a little uh, of the pope The pope <laughs> <laughs> I think that's better than Pope-a-Geddon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to throw something out there. You came up with Pope again, and then I went with Popathon. <laughs> I actually did not come up with Pope again. Um, uh, a friend of mine came up with Pope again. There's Pope Apocalypse. Pope Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We've come up with all sorts of terms. Gosh, we're all going to go to hell for this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I've. Why, you know, I'm watching it from afar. I'm not immersed in it like you guys are. So I'm not hearing all those those uh, crazy, fun ways to <laughs> to approach it. So I'm uh, learning a few uh, new terms this evening. <laughs> there, there is 4,000 porty potties in the streets of Philadelphia. Really? Yes, and they're all lined Unders- up. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Have you, seen, you, have you seen them, Jay? I, I walked out last Friday and I saw these porta potties in the street. 
on JFK Boulevard. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing in my mind. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they have all the barricades up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty intense, Teresa. Uh, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. When I was watching the news and seeing the Pope arrive, I did think of uh, you and what you had been planning for for so long. It's here. Like, oh, yeah. Yes, it's happening. Yeah, the, the reality is I think the an event like this has got, it's got to give some companies, if not a lot of companies in D.C., Philly, and New York, a pretty good idea of what their business continuity strategy feels like what they would grade themselves anyway because mm-hmm. i know there's you know there's a lot of companies that are like no problem people are just not coming to work we're good and there's others that are like wow what are we going to do we can't function for two or three days we're we're one of them and um i'm going to say i think we're doing a pretty good job we'll find out tomorrow uh around 8 30 <laughs> so just watch my twitter stream <laughs> yeah if I, if I happen to go crazy tomorrow by lunchtime you know that you know <laughs> We're not doing too well. No, I, I think um, I think we're going to be fine. Um, planned for it for well over a year. Um, we are a corporate sponsor uh, for the World Family uh, or World Meeting World Family Meeting, um, and we've got over three to four hundred volunteers from our company volunteering and helping out. So that that's pretty good, and it actually feels really good to work for an organization that's doing something good like this. Unfortunately, um, I'm not volunteering. Um, it just would have been uh, crazy for me to get into the city. I would have been locked in there because the roads aren't going to be open up till Monday at noon, I think, because we're not going to start opening up the, the roads and bridges. Wow. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, it, it Yeah, I good. can tell you, it, I'm, a, I'm an Amtrak traveler in and out of Philly, and even for the Amtrak folks, a lot of the people that work on the trains, the conductors and the people that serve the meals and, and all that stuff, the engineers are forced to stay in 30th street station because they yeah. have no way to get out. They're kind of, in, that's kind of ground zero for, you know, Popa Palooza. <laughs> all right i think that's uh, okay. if we keep going guys i'm gonna Popo, keep coming up with more i like Popa palooza i think um yeah you know that's i can see one. pope francis liking that he's he's you know what he seems like a cool pope he doesn't wear red shoes he wears black shoes which isn't the norm um, and you know? he doesn't wear the fancy gold chains he's been driven no. around in a fiat not a limo uh, he, he, he keeps getting out of the he keeps getting out of the vehicle and, you know, kissing babies and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think he's a, he's a very, I'm, I'm impressed. So I'm number one, I'm Catholic. So I, I would be impressed anyway, but, uh, number two, I just think the reality of his ability to be in touch with where the world is, uh, if you guys saw, uh, any of his, um, speeches today in Congress and, and he just did the mass right before we started, uh, at St. Patrick's in New York. Uh, it's, it, it was pretty impressive, uh, you know, a, that it's a very foreign language to him that he was speaking very well and B, um, that he, he you know, he kind of gets where the world is, uh, from, you know, uh, a person of that is generally in such high uh, distinction and notoriety that uh, that you can actually use the word he's cool. He is um, is a is a an interesting comment 
the one you've probably never said about a pope in your life. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not Catholic. I'm not a Christian. I'm actually Buddhist. And um, I have much respect for him. And, and I, I agree with you. I think he's a very cool pope. He, he, he's like one of us. And I think that's, that's really appealing about him. Um, he's honest. And he's very genuine. Um, and, and he seems to understand um, where the world's coming from, which is different than previous popes. So, um, you know, much respect for for his holiness. <laughs> for his holiness. Yeah. So I, I've watched enough of your shows yep. to know that 45 minutes is a it's pretty long. darn long current status show. Yes, it is. We, we, it is. We love to train We're like Koopa Palooza. Yeah. And wait, let me, let me take, since I'm sitting behind guitars and I love to play oh. guitar. Okay. You, you I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to take us out. We're all going to say goodnight and I'm going to play Amazing Grace in honor of Business Continuity and Popa Palooza. <laughs> Popa Palooza. Very cool. Let's get that trending. And stay safe with Popa Palooza. Popa Gunny. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great evening, everybody. Yeah. Thank you again yep. for joining. And Have a great evening. Bye. Bye, guys. Enjoy Bye. the weekend. And we're yeah, off.